Your heart. It's the only one you have. Fortunately, you also have a choice. Expert cardiologists, talented surgeons, highly skilled specialists, all of whom chose WakeMed. Why? The main reason is the same reason patients choose WakeMed. Everything you need for the best possible care is right here. Learn more at WakeMed.org. WakeMed Heart and Vascular Physicians. Your heart, your choice. Over the last six episodes in this season of A Brief History of Triangle Sports, I've highlighted the genesis, demise, and lasting impact of the Raleigh-Durham Skyhawks. But what happened to the World League of American Football? Well, in the NFL, if it ain't making money, then it ain't worth keeping around, no matter how useful the minor league might have been had owners properly used it. According to reports around that time, The NFL was losing roughly $30 million a year when newly elected commissioner Roger Goodell shut down the final incarnation of their minor league. At that point, it was called NFL Europa. This was on June 29, 2007. Now, that seems like a ton of money, but consider the NFL was pulling in $6 billion in annual revenue that year. That's $6 billion with a B. Consider revenue ballooned to $18 billion annually in 2022 and will continue to go up with every new TV deal. ESPN estimated the cost of operating the Spring League in its final season was around $500,000 per NFL team. Consider the minimum salary for a current NFL player heading into the 2023 season is $750,000. So, yeah, don't think for a moment NFL owners were hurting financially to keep the minor league running. Look, every spring football league that has popped up since, from the multiple XFL incarnations to the Alliance of American Football, has been motivated by the wrong things, mainly TV ratings and profit. As I'll highlight in conversations with former East Carolina head coach Steve Logan and former Carolina Panthers quarterback Jake DeLome, both of them alumni of NFL Europe, minor league football has to be seen as an investment if NFL owners ever truly want to make football better. The Triangle has the most unique landscape for sports. Three major universities along Tobacco Road with rabid fan bases. A Stanley Cup champion. An NFL team right down the road. And heavily invested transplants. Not to mention an interesting mix of sports teams that were. Joe Ovius brings you a brief history of Triangle Sports. A candid conversation with those who help shape why sports matters here. Steve Logan officially resigned as head coach of East Carolina in December 2002. I'll use that word again, officially. What actually happened at the end of his successful run in Greenville was contentious and probably worth its own brief history of Triangle Sports episodes. Logan and Mike Hamrick, the ECU AD at the time, did not see eye to eye on the direction of the program. So Logan agreed to buyout terms, which included his annual base salary of $200,000 until January 1, 2006. Burned out by the experience, Logan took a hiatus from football. But if you learn anything from this podcast, the gravitational pull of the game is very hard for football people to escape. And the idea of NFL Europe which was football stripped down to its bare essence, intrigued him. I had cleared out my office at East Carolina, 
really before the day came that I officially left because mm. I knew I was leaving. Mm. Uh, I was uh, I was completely smoked. Um, I was uh, working with some people that uh, were not healthy for me to be around. So I drove home that afternoon, and when I left East Carolina, I walked in my home, and the phone was ringing, literally. I picked it up, and it was a man named Doug Graber. Now, Doug Graber used to be the head coach at Rutgers, but he had transitioned into NFL Europe, and he was the head coach at Frankfurt. And I walked in, picked the phone up, and he said, Steve, I heard you're leaving East Carolina. Would you come be the offense coordinator here in Frankfurt? And I said, Doug, I am so burnt right now. I don't want to see another football again as long as I live. You weren't surprised that your phone was ringing, though, right? I mean, you had a track record. You had Jeff Blake. Yeah, you I had mean, David Garrard, Crandall. I mean, yep, I had I had not screwed any of them up. Yeah, and so, uh, but I told Doug, I said, I, no, thank you, and okay. hung the phone up, and I went fishing literally for one year, nonstop, and I just stared at the water. And I happened about a year later, I was in Lubbock, Texas, watching my son, youngest son, play a baseball game. He was playing for Campbell University. And uh, my phone rang, and a guy named Rick Lance, who was a longtime defense coordinator at the University of Virginia, who is in and of the Belichick family out of the Naval Academy. Rick had been granted the head coaching job at the Berlin Thunder in NFL Europe. Well, there it was again, NFL Europe on my doorstep. And he wanted to know would I be the offense coordinator. And I said, you know what? Yeah, what the heck? You know, the rest is history. But I can, as I've shared with you before, NFL Europe was the single best football job I have ever had. I loved it. The fact that uh, you could play a football game and the world didn't melt down (laughs) around the victory or the loss yeah it was it was exactly what you said it was so refreshing we would go play football in berlin stadium or amsterdam or london or wherever we were at the time you know we were over in europe and uh, we were playing with nfl players it was a high high quality football and uh, we would play the game in front of anywhere between 20 and forty thousand. everybody had a good time and uh, at the end of the game joe both teams would go upstairs in the stadium and we would have a meal together because, again, it was developmental. It was serious. Everybody wanted to win. Sure. But it was developmental first and foremost. And it just was, again, not the end of the world. And, uh, you know, having said that, my first year in NFL Europe, we went 10 and 1 and won the World Bowl. World Bowl 12. Yeah. yeah. And which had never been. Uh, the NFL wanted all of those teams to go five and five. Sure. And they, they made the talent very level on purpose. But uh, I had a young man, in fact, Bill Belichick. Um, I went to the Patriot camp and I was there for about a week because I was going to work with Tom Brady's backup, a young man named Rohan Davey mm-hmm. of LSU fame. Mm-hmm. And Rohan and I hit it off. Rohan was NFL Europe Player of the Year. We're 10 and one World Bowl champs. And, you know, then I was there two more years after that and played in another World Bowl and lost. And then the third year I was there, we missed field goal on the last play of the game to put us in the third World Bowl. So, I mean, I think I added, I think in three years of NFL Europe football, my personal experience was 24 and 6. Specific to Rohan Davey. Mm hmm. The one thing that keeps popping up and talking about, whether it's the World League of American Football or NFL Europe, humble keeps 
popping up as a word to describe the players because they were something in college. Yep. Told a lot of things of where they're going to go. Doesn't pan out that way. Yeah. But this is an opportunity. This is a second opportunity. Yep. So in your years of being around quarterbacks, we'll use Rohan Davey as the example here. What was his level of wanting to learn? Well, see, this is what people don't understand, Joe. Rohan was in the, he had been on the uh, Patriot roster for two years Mm -hmm. when he was assigned to NFL Europe. The way it worked was, for instance, Bill Belichick calls Rohan Davey and says, look, Rohan, we think you're good. You're never getting on the field here. You're not getting reps. You're not going to get any reps. We need you to develop. We want to assign you to NFL Europe. Do you want to go? Mm -hmm. And of course, 99% of them say, sure. And so that's the preamble to all of that. So once that happens, then uh, you get these guys. Uh, we would have our training camp down in Tampa. All uh, eight teams would go down there, and we would have a uh, training camp. We'd scrimmage against each other, make our cuts, get on a jet, go to Europe, and here we go. The willingness to learn for those players is at an all-time high, and they are the best of the best to work with because they're hungry. They want to develop. This is a second chance to get them on permanently on an NFL roster. Mm -hmm. So every player that was on our team, on any team in NFL Europe, they were 99% of the time second and third year roster NFL football players. Like the original World League, NFL Europe provided a testing ground for football. If you wanted to see how a potential rules change would affect the game, well, do it in NFL Europe. Go right ahead. For instance, field goals longer than 50 yards were worth four points instead of three. Concepts like a true two-quarterback system could be explored and prove successful. It provided an incubator for coaching development. Logan cherished all of these aspects of NFL Europe. We lived in a Marriott in a suburb of Berlin called Pelto. Okay. And you'd get up every day, and the bus would run us over to Berlin Stadium to practice. And, uh, you know, but it it was just NFL football. We met all day. We practiced. We came home. We looked at the film. You're in all of our meeting rooms. We're in the hotel rooms Mm -hmm. in the the hotel proper. You know, at night, hey, it's Berlin. Yeah. Uh, You know, it's your Experience and culture. Uh, Well, that's where you got into wine, right? uh, Well, it didn't hurt, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But... uh, yeah, the, the whole, I mean, I loved it. Europe, Western Europe, is um, it's an education daily mm-hmm. for somebody grow, that has grown up in the American culture. You learn something every day about a different way of doing things. I loved it. So let's let's fast forward to the end here. You're, you left NFL Europe before they shut it down? The year before they shut it down, I left because uh, NFL Europe was Paul Tagliabue's baby. Mm-hmm. He's the one that wanted to internationalize the sport, as you mentioned. Goodell, when he was hired, the way NFL Europe worked was each NFL owner wrote a $1 million check to fund NFL Europe. So Some you reports got, indicated they would lose about $30 million a year. That's correct. So yeah. it was a $32 million investment by the NFL to develop their players. Well, some of the NFL owners didn't like that, blah, blah, blah. So when they hired Goodell, his first charge was to eliminate NFL Europe. That was a known secret. At that point, uh, much to my chagrin, Boston College was calling me, wanting me to come be their offensive coordinator. 
and I didn't have any other pro opportunities at the time. So I took that job Mm -hmm. knowing NFL Europe was going to fold. And so that's how that all worked out. And, you know, uh, the the Boston College experience for me was five star as well. I got really lucky there. The NFL doesn't seem to be struggling right now <laughs> no. in terms of the money that they're making. No, a million per club is is chump change. And, and the ratings that they're getting. Mm-hmm. You know, you got these young quarterbacks. Sometimes they'll hit, sometimes they won't. But right now, if you're looking at the AFC side of things, looking pretty good. You got everybody from Josh Allen to mm-hmm. Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. I mean, it is the, the future is bright with exciting quarterbacks. So I, I can't sit here and tell the NFL they made a mistake in getting rid of NFL Europe. No, no, it's not a mistake. But I feel like NFL Europe would solve a problem that NFL teams have right now with the quarterback position. There is no substitute for experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, we all know Kurt Warner was an NFL Europe guy. A guy like Tony Romo, who he was an NFL Europe. But you have to be so lucky minus NFL Europe to get the repetitions needed to develop that uh, it's it's just so rare for a guy like Tony Romo to come along. Mm -hmm. And because of circumstances, they had to keep playing him at the Dallas Cowboys. And lo and behold, there he is, a seventh-round pick out of Eastern Illinois or whatever he was, and he gets better and better and better. But uh, all I know is is that um, there's no substitute for playing the game. And uh, until – well, locally, let me just jump ahead – the little backup quarterback for the Panthers right now, P.J. Walker. Yeah. There's an XFL kid, okay, played at Temple. Yep. Everybody knew he had talent, mm-hmm. and he goes into the XFL, and he only got seven weeks before they shut the league down. Yeah. And uh, is P.J. Walker a, a real deal starting NFL quarterback? No, but he's certainly functional mm-hmm. and can win you a game. Mm-hmm. Well, there's another guy, okay, that without the seven weeks of XFL, he's just nowhere. He And so... There's always going to be a place for the developmental side of things, and, you know, it's just how much the NFL wants to do it. Well, clearly they don't. They don't want to partner with these new spring leagues. They didn't want to partner with the XFL. USFL, this new USFL has, I guess, some type of relationship, I guess. Yeah, the USFL thing, that's a little bit different animal. The XFL, which is coming online. Yeah, back online. Back online. Version 3.0. That's exactly right. But the XFL just yesterday signed an agreement with Mm -hmm. the NFL to work as a developmental tool relative to officials, equipment managers, game operators, obviously football players, which that, see, that's what NFL Europe was doing. I I remember when they hired me in NFL Europe, I think I was, I don't know, 50 years old at the time. Okay. And uh, I was told that, hey, we value your maturity. How about that? Logan and maturity. That doesn't go well together. But anyway, <laughs> I had them tricked. They thought I was mature. They said, we value your, your maturity and your ability to develop some young coaches. So they would send young coaches to be my running back coach, tight end coach, wide receiver coach, mm-hmm. as I was the offensive coordinator. Now, our offensive line coach was a seasoned veteran. But many of the young men over the three-year period that I was working in NFL Europe cut their teeth in coaching. Okay, I was helping them learn the ropes, and then they went on into the NFL to enjoy some career. So it was all-inclusive, the developmental part of it. I did mention to you a young man in 1990 played for East Carolina named George Kuntz, Mm -hmm. actually came and played for the Raleigh Skyhawks after he left us. He graduated in 1990, played, and he was told he was too slow, too this, too that. (laughs) Right, right. All the things that scouts tell you when the numbers don't match up. But uh, the thing about George, he tackled everything on the football field all the time. 
And he did. He ran a five flat, but he played the game at four seven because he had such an, a high football IQ. He could diagnose really quickly. And uh, George went on to play like 10 years. You can look it up on the computer. I think George played a solid 10-year career with the Green Bay Packers, that mm-hmm. middle linebacker. And, uh, you know, there's one of a million stories. I'll never forget the end of my third year NFL draft came along, and then the rosters were set at, at they, after they did all of their cuts. I went through with a fine-tooth comb. And I went through every roster in the NFL, and this would have been in the year 2003 or four, something like that. And I found on the average there were 17 players per roster that had NFL Europe experience. You know, and I wasn't the only one that knew this, obviously. So, I mean, you know, so the NFL had figured out there's a lot of good talent, but it needs to play mm-hmm. the game. But there's not enough room and so, uh, you know, the NFL Europe thing became a really solid model. A brief history of triangle sports will continue after this break. Is getting your CPAP supplies a real pain? It doesn't have to be that way. Hi, I'm Brandon Giggling, president of Parkway Sleep Health Centers, and we are North Carolina's number one source for CPAP machines and supplies. Our streamlined process makes getting your CPAP as easy as one, two, three, and we ship anywhere in the state. If you're in need of a CPAP machine, supplies, a knowledgeable doctor, or a sleep study, Parkway has you covered. For information or to schedule an appointment, visit parkwaysleep.com. Sound sleep, sound health. Tim Donnelly here for DraftKings. The wait is over. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of NASCAR, and it is now live in North Carolina. Now you can legally bet on all your favorite sports anytime, anywhere, right here in North Carolina with DraftKings. For a limited time, new customers who sign up with promo code 999 and bet $5 will receive $250 instantly in bonus bets. DraftKings has the best features, including same-game parlays, player props, and more, with fast and easy payouts right at your fingertips. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now using code 999 and bet $5 to get $250 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code 999. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 8-777-185-543 or visit morethanagame.nc.gov. 21 plus, North Carolina only. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. Terms at DraftKings.com slash sportsbook slash NC. NASCAR is not a sponsor of this promotion and used under license. In the final years of NFL Europe, the spirit of the league as a way to develop talent eroded. Multiple reports, including an ESPN.com post-mortem on the league in 2007, explain how NFL franchises were using the six remaining teams overseas as a way to stash players on roster exemptions. The thinking went, if you were good enough to play in the NFL, well, front offices wanted you in front of their coaches, at their facilities, eventually playing for their teams. But in the beginning... There were real success stories coming out of NFL Europe, including Carolina Panthers legend Jake DeLone. As an undrafted free agent signed by the New Orleans Saints, he spent the 1997 season on the practice squad, and then he got word he'd be picking up game reps in Europe. I found out I'm a rookie free agent, and I ended up on the practice squad with the Panthers. I'm sorry, with the Saints. And toward the end of the season, they had discussed allocating me is the word that was the term that was used 
to uh, playing NFL Europe, and I was all for it. Didn't know which team or whatnot, but everything was done in Atlanta um, that particular year. And so I got allocated to the Amsterdam Admirals. Well, you said you wanted to go. It's reps, obviously. So what did you know about NFL Europe? I didn't know a great deal about NFL Europe, to be quite honest. And that was probably due to being naive, uh, just coming out of college football, um, and just wasn't familiar with it uh, a, a great deal. But I knew there was a league in Europe that they sent some younger players that needed more seasoning. I was all for it because as a quarterback, um, and especially on the practice squad with the Saints at that time, mm. you're getting just a couple of reps of practice. It's not like you're getting a ton of reps where a receiver, a defensive back, offensive lineman, any of those other positions get ton, tons of reps. So I was looking forward to it um, just to be able to go and play at a higher level level of college football than I had played. And that was going to do me some good to get some playing time and experience. And so uh, once I kind of found out about it and there was only six teams and a lot of these players were allocated from NFL teams, I was all in. I was excited to go. The common refrain I hear from guys who had played uh, and in chatting with Steve Logan, who used to do radio with us, he always talked about he used the word purity of NFL Europe. These were these were guys, a lot of guys like you, that were just looking for the opportunity. You're paired with Kurt Warner at that point with the Admirals. So what was what was the locker room like, you know, in terms of the difference of an NFL locker room? That's a great word that he used, purity, because I think he's extremely spot on. Because if you look at salary, it was pure. Everybody got paid $1,100, <laughs> and quarterbacks got paid 1600 okay. And so quarterbacks were always treated a little different. And that's a week. And that's for 10 weeks. So it wasn't like anybody was getting rich. It was an opportunity. So you didn't have a a bonus baby like let's say you would in baseball or a a first-round pick or second-round pick would be allocated. They they would not be. So it's guys knowing that we're just trying to survive. We're just trying to get an opportunity to maybe play in the National Football League or give ourselves some exposure in case a team that doesn't want us, another team would. So that's what I enjoyed about it. And you had some players – who thought they were better than NFL Europe, to be mm-hmm. quite honest. That, that was beneath them. Uh, but for the majority, you had guys that too, tr- truly understood that, well, we're here for a reason. Um, and, yeah, I get allocated to Amsterdam, and there's only two quarterbacks in camp, myself and this arena league quarterback named Kurt Warner. <laughs> and I didn't know anything about Kurt. He's three years older than me. Um, or four, I should say, at that time. He was like 26 or 27. I was 21, 22. Mm-hmm. So there was a little age gap, but he had went to camp with Green Bay, and we became good friends. If you can't like, if you don't like Kurt Warner, then you, you have the problem. Um, <laughs> so he knew he wasn't ready at that time when he went to camp with the Packers, and, you know, he started playing arena football, and he, he swore up and down that the quickness of that game and getting the ball out fast and into mm-hmm. tight windows and being accurate helped him. And this was his one more – he was giving it one more shot. Um, that's kind of how it was. And I would call back home and, and talk back to, you know, parents and, and girlfriend, now wife at the time, and just say, you know, he's a, one, he's a good guy. Two, he's pretty darn accurate. And three, he's got a quick release. Mm-hmm. I couldn't say anything else bad about it. He was a pretty good football player, and I'm glad my eyes uh, know what a good football player looks like, I guess you could say. And then, you know, the rest is history. You know, he, he goes off to the Rams. Uh, he, he wins a Super Bowl. You, you end up with the Panthers. You go to a Super Bowl. Do you think that you and Kurt end up having the careers you end up having without NFL Europe kind of keeping you in the mix? 
I would like to think if we would if we would both had the, had the same opportunities, we would have been successful. But I just think uh, being able to play in NFL Europe um, that did help. And I didn't play in Amsterdam. He played. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, I think I played one game since Kurt had an injury. Um, and we went down until the last hour before our first game before our coach Al Luganville, who absolutely despised offense. He thought offense was the worst thing in the world. He liked defense, 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 special teams, special teams, special teams, then defense and special teams again, then offense. So um, we did, We went down to the last hour um, to say, hey, Kurt, you're going to start. Jake, you're going to play a great deal. I'm not, I, I'm not asking either one of you to win the game, but please don't lose it. Mm. And Kurt looked at me and was like, well, that's a vote of confidence. <laughs> um, so – you know, it was a, uh, it was just one of those situations. And, uh, Kurt really played well that year. I think we went seven and three. Um, Martin did not make the championship game. Mm-hmm. And then I got sent back the following year to Frankfurt. I went with my same offensive coordinator who was in Amsterdam. Um, he left and he went to Frankfurt and he wanted me with him. And that worked out for me. Uh, you know, so I was able to play. So I think it does give you some confidence. There's yeah. no doubt. And I was going to get to your second stint in NFL Europe sure. with the Frankfurt Galaxy, where it's funny, I didn't realize you were playing for a coach who despised offense because you end up going to, to Frankfurt, which is the other part of NFL Europe that I always found fascinating is that you could experiment if you wanted to. You guys basically played a two quarterback system the entire time, right down to the World Bowl, right? We did. And when I got sent to Frankfurt in 99, um, Joe Clark was the uh, longtime Lindy Infante disciple. Joe Clark was NFL assistant coach for years. He was Kurt Nye's offensive coordinator in Amsterdam. Um, there was a parting of ways after that season, and he went to Frankfurt. See, he wanted me to go with him. So I went to Frankfurt. Dick Carroll was our head coach, offensive-minded uh, football coach. And uh, Pat Barnes, who was the fourth-round pick, I believe, out of the Chiefs. I, I don't think a third-round. Fourth-round pick, the Chiefs. He got sent over with me. And it was the same situation. We had equal reps in camps. We both did extremely well. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a rotated system. And I think because Pat and I, I'd like to pat ourselves on the back and say we handled it with grace because we truly pulled for each other. And Kurt and I would have done the same thing. Sure. Uh, that's no doubt. Uh, but Pat and I handled it. Um, and our team kind of took on that approach that it doesn't matter. We're, we're, we're as one. But our Frankfurt team, we had more guys understanding that, hey, we're, we're minor league football players. And we embraced that role, and we embraced it. And that's why we were a good football team, and we won it all uh, through the World Bowl. I played two quarters in the World Bowl, and Pat played the other two. <laughs> but it just kind of it, it clicked. It worked. And um, we both had some different strengths, and it just worked. At least for the Raleigh Durham Skyhawks players, when they went over, for their two-week stint uh, where they did go to Frankfurt. They did go and play the London Monarchs. It was the food. But you're based there now in NFL Europe where all the teams are there. So a Louisiana guy going over and playing in European cities, how did, how did you guys handle that? Did you guys have cafeterias? Did you did you just have to eat what was ever? Were, they, were you looking for a McDonald's? What would you do? Well, certainly they did have the fast food restaurants, the McDonald's and things like that. But we all ate in the hotel. And that's the thing. It was very college-like. We all stayed in the same hotel. Okay. And there's only th- 35 guys on the team. And so it's a very small roster, to say the least. So we all ate in the hotel. Um, undercooked chicken and boiled eggs was something, <laughs> and french fries. Those are things that were served quite often. Um, so you had to kind of take a good look at the chicken before you ate it. Uh, but pizza. Pizza was readily available. So if all else fails, uh, pizza was not an issue. Now, I will say when we went to Frankfurt, 
that was – it seemed like just a better situation. Our mm-hmm. hotel was, let's just say, a little bit better. Um, we had a couple of three American uh, television stations because of the Army bases that were not far away. They had, we had access. We had three guys on our team from West Point um, when I was in Frankfurt. So we could go onto the Army bases with them. Mm-hmm. We're using their card. Uh, and get American type things, and so have that sense of home, so to speak. But yeah, you just kind of you had to you ate what was there, and uh, we're young men and full of <laughs> testosterone and normal testosterone, I should say. And uh, we, we were hungry; we were looking to eat, and we learned how to drink uh, a beer at room temperature. So those were a few things we had to learn in Frank and uh, in living overseas. Uh, in, in Frankfurt, you're getting at least good. Were you a beer drinker before you went to Germany? Yeah, I mean, I was a beer drinker, but listen, I was, we were so young. I mean, you drank the cheapest beer. You're drinking, you're drinking Bud you're Heavy. Here. You're drinking Bud Heavy. You're not having yeah. this Bavarian, uh, this Bavarian stuff, right? Right. So, uh, you know, and one great story. Um, we clinched the World Bowl. Uh, we played in Berlin, and we took the train. This was my when I was in Frankfurt. Mm. We could take the train to many places, and so um, we clinched on a Sunday afternoon, and we had about a four hour, you know, train ride back, and. Um, so some of the coaches bought some beer for us, and I never forget we drank some type of Irish stout, sixteen ounce cans, and it wasn't even room temperature; it was warm. But we had, we had no ice; there was no ice on the cart, so uh, on the train. So you know, we just had to make do. But that's, I think, what what made it all so fun. The NFL Europe shuts down in two thousand seven, and that that ends this minor league football. Uh, experiment that was funded by the NFL. The NFL has tried to maintain its presence. I know they're playing more games in Germany. They're playing more games in London. They have an international players program. I I always feel like when I hear stories like this from you, when I hear Steve Logan tell these stories, I feel like it's a missed opportunity because what's the biggest problem in the NFL right now? Injuries, depth? Well, it's a dollars and cents game. I I don't think there's any doubt about it. And I'm not so sure it was a money-making proposition. No, it was was not. Um, It it, it lost a lot of money. lost a lot of money but i I truly believe that is it it can be a a a proving ground i just look at the quarterbacks from damon heward who played over a decade to brad johnson super bowl winner john kidna myself uh kurt warner's in the hall of fame i know jt o'sullivan played i'm probably missing but but those are just a few uh tom newton was our starting guard um with the amsterdam admirals well he's the starting offensive lineman for the st louis rams when they win the super bowl um, just some of the receivers that played that went on, some of the kickers uh, that were in NFL Europe that went on. So I think it can be a proving ground for, for some players that just they're not ready yet, either physically or mentally or whatever it may be. So that's something I wish uh, because I was a part of. I know what it, I know what it did uh, bring. And, you know, the NFL went to um, Germany this year to play. And all the players talked about was that was probably one of the greatest experiences they've ever had in their life, the crowd. Well, that's what it was like when I played in Frankfurt. Amsterdam, not so much. But Frankfurt, we averaged 35,000, 40,000 fans. There, were pop, there was a Pop Warner League. So there was some familiarity with football concepts and things of that nature. And it was awesome. And so to hear that when those guys went over and played in Frankfurt this year, there's no doubt um, that playing – NFL Europe 20, 30 years ago, whatever it may be, um, there, there was a fan base that developed. Do you still have the World Bowl ring somewhere? I do have it. I think I know exactly where it's at. 
Um, I'm not a big kind of showy guy, and yeah. to say that I'm going to walk around with the NFL Europe uh, ch- well, World Bowl championship ring. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's in the exact same place as my NFC championship ring is with the Carolina Panthers. Um, you know, my wife has that uh, in the house, and I have a pretty good idea where, where it's at. But uh, I do have it, and i tell you what, the thing that I enjoyed, I think Coach hit it right when he said, pure because it, it was it was pure and the relationships that I've had with those guys still to this day I still have relationship with relationships with some of the players uh that we played together with uh in NFL Europe and then that, that was a special time it was a it was a great deal of fun and the the teams that were the better teams were the one that realized you know what we're minor leaguers mm. let's uh let's go out and let's let's be the best minor leaguers we can be uh, that's what we were in Frankfurt and uh we were the world bowl champs Requiem for the World League of American Football. Another in a long line of great ideas in sports, but financially unviable for stakeholders. Without it, the Triangle never has the Raleigh-Durham Skyhawks. And without the Raleigh-Durham Skyhawks, hard lessons about professional sports in this market are never learned. So pour one out for the football team that never won next time you go to Carter-Finley Stadium, which you can do now because alcohol sales at college stadiums are a thing. I hope you enjoyed this season of Brief History of Triangle Sports. There's more to explore on the CBC Podcast Network, including a deep dive on Russell Wilson and his hotly debated exit from NC State. Titled Never Failed, The Russell Wilson Story, Joe Giglio and I tell you the real story behind his recruitment, his position battle with Mike Lennon, and the reasons why he and former head coach Tom O'Brien were never on the same page about his baseball career. A Brief History of Triangle Sports is written and reported by me, Joe Ovius. Doug Miller handles our final mix. And big shouts to Jason Jennings for digging up all that wonderful treasure inside the WRAL archives. Tim Donnelly here for DraftKings. The wait is over. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of NASCAR, and it is now live in North Carolina. Now you can legally bet on all your favorite sports anytime, anywhere, right here in North Carolina with DraftKings. For a limited time, new customers who sign up with promo code 999 and bet $5 will receive $250 instantly in bonus bets. DraftKings has the best features, including same-game parlays, player props, and more, with fast and easy payouts right at your fingertips. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now using code 999 and bet $5 to get $250 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code 999. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 8-777-185-543 or visit morethanagame.nc.gov. 21 plus, North Carolina only. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. Terms at DraftKings.com slash sportsbook slash NC. NASCAR is not a sponsor of this promotion and used under license.